By the way, if you're in Florida, this is important. If you're in Florida, if you're in Texas, if you're in Arizona, listening on a stream, please turn off your radio right now. Or please leave your streaming platform at once. If you're hearing this as a podcast or a stream, turn it off now. I'm required by laws of some states to give this disclaimer because the upcoming revelations on today's show may be in violation of Florida's, quote, Stop Woke Act. Likewise, possession of this as a podcast or its existence on school campuses or public libraries in some states may also be in violation of Florida's far-reaching SB 266, which makes it illegal any diversity, equity, or inclusion initiatives. This program may also subject you to Florida's new HB 1275, the Mental Health Registry, which allows the state's governor and his new 1,500-man state militia to keep a mental registry database on the so-called mental health of some 28 million residents. Yellow stars may be issued next so that people don't get confused for sunflowers, which would be the likely official explanation. There, I've done my part. Coming up in just a couple of seconds, we're going to delve into an extraordinary, uh, we're going to meet two extraordinary heroes that have taken on not only the federal government, but the legacy of the entire nuclear weapons industry. And it's all part of a new documentary that picks up where Oppenheimer left off. I'm going to play the trailer just so you get what I'm talking about. The U.S. government tested the first ever atomic bomb at the Trinity site in South Central New Mexico. We were unwilling, unknowing, uncompensated participants in the world's largest science experiment. Look at all them hills. Every one of them got a ranch on it. And everybody died of the same thing. Many of these people, I think, are in a way forgotten guinea pigs. They were sacrificed to national security. Are you juggling multiple tools to run your online business? Well, thankfully, there's a better way, and it's called Kartra, K-A-R-T-R-A. With Kartra, boosting your income has never been easier. That's because it's the ultimate all-in-one platform for online success, offering every tool you need to grow. Imagine building pages, funnels, courses, autoresponders, and checkouts all in one place for one affordable price. And the best part about Kartra is that you can automate anything. So it's like having a team of experts working around the clock to help you earn more. Ready to streamline and scale? Well, visit RethinkingHeroes.com forward slash money for a free 30-day trial. That's RethinkingHeroes.com slash money for a free 30-day trial. Rethinking Heroes with Carrie Harrison. RethinkingHeroes.com. We're going to embark on a journey into the hidden corridors of history, a narrative shrouded in shadows and silenced by the mighty. We're going to explore a new documentary called First We Bombed New Mexico, a documentary that defies Oppenheimer's narrative and shows the ongoing radiation aftermath of the world's first nuclear bomb, still emitting radioactive afterglow since its original explosion in 1945. I'm going to bring on both the subject of the documentary and the award-winning director who earned many of her accolades at 60 Minutes. 
The subject of this film is an inspiring Hispanic cancer survivor. Her name is Tina Cordova, who's taken on the mighty corridors of government power, demanding compensation and an apology for the native and Hispanic communities of New Mexico, whose lands and waters, well, they still remain radiated by the Trinity bomb. And this is the 80-year-long after story of the film, uh, Oppenheimer chose to admit, as we all know. Now you're gonna hear firsthand a tale of government betrayal with thousands of New Mexicans, primarily Hispanic and native, were exposed to catastrophic levels of radioactive fallout without warning or acknowledgement. Multi-generational cancers have followed without pause in a tragedy that's been concealed for decades. Tina Cordova is a force to be reckoned with. We love her. We have rethought this heroism, and it took about a tenth of a millisecond. And she's going to show you how the Manhattan Project physicians foresaw the catastrophic fallout's long-lasting impact and suggested evacuations at the time. They never happened. The aftermath? Spiking baby deaths, covered-up statistics, thousands sickened for generations. As we all face the threat of nuclear strikes in today's unfettered geopolitical madness, we learn that radiation respects no borders and that we are all downwinders, as they call themselves, connected by a legacy that refuses to die. So let me first introduce director Lois Lipman of the documentary First We Bombed New Mexico. Lois Lipman is an Emmy award-winning career documentary filmmaker who field produced 24 stories around the world for CBS News's 60 Minutes. Her expose on dowry deaths in India was awarded Best Documentary by American and Women in Film, uh, Women, American Women in Film and Television, even led to system changes there. She's won an Emmy, a Peabody Award, has field-produced documentaries for the BBC, Channel 4. She's done them in Cuba, Gaza, Israel, India, the Dominican Republican, <laughs> Republican, there might be one there, but probably not at this moment, and many countries in between. Director Lois Lippmann has taught at both universities of Maryland and Toledo. With her also is the subject of this documentary, Tina Cordova. She is the co-founder of Tularosa Basin Downwinders Consortium in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Tina Cordova is a seventh generation native New Mexican, born and raised in the small town of Tularosa, and the mission of her consortium is to bring attention to the health effects suffered by the unknowing, the unwilling, the uncompensated innocent victims of the very first nuclear blast at the Trinity site. That was the one made famous in beautiful Technicolor by Chris Nolan and the movie Oppenheimer. She's looking to get the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act to include continuous overexposure to radiation since 1945. Tina Cordova herself is a cancer survivor, having been diagnosed with thyroid cancer when she was only 39. She's now the fourth generation in her family to have cancer, along with a niece recently diagnosed at the age of 23. And uh, Tina Cordova has testified before the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee, the Senate Committee on Indian Affairs, the House Judiciary Subcommittee on the Constitution, Civil Rights and Civil Liberties. I want to welcome you both to Rethinking Heroes. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. It's a pleasure Glad to be to, with you. It's a pleasure to have you here. And I wish we were here to celebrate the new year together and just laugh <laughs> and laugh. But this is real life. And you guys have done so much hard work and everyone needs to know about it. So let's jump into it. In this tale of government betrayal, what do you reveal that Oppenheimer, the so-called father of the atomic bomb, conveniently left out of the Trinity bombs history? And we'll start with you, Lois. 
Firstly, thank you so much for this platform and for inviting us. And Tina is indeed an unsung hero. And that's why I have dedicated much of my life to following her and amplifying her voice of this expose. Um, what Oppenheimer doesn't mention, there's not one native person or Hispanic person or person of color in this film. And what he do conveniently doesn't mention is that native people lived as close as 12 miles from the world's first nuclear blast. And they have consequently suffered cancers for generations and they've never been acknowledged. Um, also, what he leaves out is that we suffered a spike in infant deaths. They, they, a huge uh, percentage of babies died that lived near the nuclear bomb. And Tina Cordova, there were families living as close as 12 miles, we learned, to the Trinity test site in 1945. There were thousands of families, men, women, children, living in a 50-mile radius. That would mean that hundreds of thousands of people were exposed, and you're now standing up for them. That's right. Um, we've collected the data from the 1940 census, and we know as a matter of fact that there were 13,000 children, women, and men living within a 50-mile radius. But if you extend the radius to 150 miles, you're talking about over half a million people. It included Albuquerque and Santa Fe to the north, El Paso and Ciudad Juarez to the south. And our government has always said, they said then, they continue to say today, that the area was remote and uninhabited, that no one lived here and no one was harmed. And we're standing up for those half a million people that were unwittingly exposed to radiation as a result of our government's um, you know, ambition for nuclear power. And we've been dying ever since. I mean, 78 years of living with this horrible legacy and no acknowledgement for the from our government, no acceptance of responsibility for the negative health effects. And like Lois said, absolutely no acknowledgement of the babies that died that summer after the test, which is absolutely unconscionable. Let's talk about this bomb, a plutonium-based bomb packed with 13 pounds of weapons-grade plutonium, but only three pounds of that plutonium actually fissioned. That means the remaining 10 pounds of plutonium was uh, absorbed into the soil, into the sand, into all the animals, into every plant, everywhere. A plutonium, by the way, has a half-life of 24,000 years, 24,000 years years. And to give you a sense of how long that is, 24,000 years ago, mankind <laughs> was only in its upper Paleolithic period, barely able to make shelters out of tree branches while being trampled or eaten by woolly mammoths and saber-toothed cats. No agriculture yet, 24,000 years ago, gnawing on twigs and stems. Now take 1945 and go forward 24 thousand years and that's when that part of new mexico will once again be safe to inhabit am i way off no actually you're right on <laughs> the half-life is twenty-four thousand years that radiation will still be here in twenty-four thousand years it will have reduced by half um and and that's the real tragedy here because they the bomb was incredibly inefficient and when you suspend particulate matter laced with plutonium over and over, you continue to expose people to that radiation from the very first uh, beginnings. And so, you know, 
one of the things that people don't recognize or acknowledge about the Trinity bomb, it was, it was detonated right next to the largest gypsum deposit in the world, White Sands National Monument. Gypsum is very lightweight. Once that plutonium became part of the gypsum out there, it's easy to resuspend. It's easy for it to then be redeposited all over the landscape. And it was a perfect storm, Carrie. This was uh, not an ideal place to detonate an atomic bomb. And the fact that the government knew from the very get-go that they were going to harm people and they never evacuated, they never warned us before or afterwards. Uh, we lived very organic lifestyles, very dependent on our environment for everything, water, food. Uh, for them to just walk away is absolutely unacceptable. And, and for them to still look the other way 78 years later is a travesty. My next question is going to be for uh, Lois, uh, and you're familiar with Dr. Helen Caldicott, who isn't, who's wide awake, uh, but she's considered the mother of the anti-nuclear movement, and she is also uh, partially responsible for Ronald Reagan to imagine the SALT treaties and start to imagine uh, the idea of nuclear weapons reduction. She scared the living diddly out of him by pointing out that the weapons tests in the ATOL over in Australia and New Zealand, which are now completely banned at the fallout, the first place that fallout goes, the first place of those weapons in the 1950s were the men's testicles in Parliament in Australia. Well, that made a ban within three days. And then Ronald Reagan thought about his own man parts and began to understand how dangerous radiation is. For men, we're very simple creatures, and sometimes you have to put it right there. But I think that's what you're also seeing. Uh, in your examination, Lois, you decided to make a documentary about this because it's that important. Uh, I had um, developed uh, major breaking stories and gotten acclaim for major stories internationally for 60 Minutes. Um, and then I wanted to take a break and I fell in love with New Mexico because it wasn't middle America, because it had this... Uh, multicultural, rich multicultural um, background of Native American, Hispanic, and Anglos, and these mountains. Uh, so I decided to take a little break there. And after I'd been in New Mexico for some years, I was astonished to discover that the world's first nuclear bomb had been detonated right next to these people that we celebrate and love, and that they were all dying, and that the government knew what it had done. I want to add that the other um, uniqueness of this bomb was that it was detonated in between thunderstorms, rainstorms, uh, which the meteorologist had said the conditions need to be 100% still and clear. This rain directly brought the radiation into these communities. Otherwise, it'd be going around the stratosphere, stratosphere and every time it rained, you know, communities around the world would get a little radiation and who knows who got the cancers because of that. Uh, so I realized and that this was a bigger story than any story I'd ever told. And it had never been told and people were suffering. And then I met Tina and she's our hero. And I knew that Tina could carry this story. So I was privileged to make the film. 
We're talking right now to director Lois Lippman of the documentary First We Bombed New Mexico, an Emmy award-winning filmmaker whose field produced 24 stories around the world for 60 minutes, Emmys, Peabody Awards, documentaries for the BBC, Gaza, India, many countries in between. Also joined by the subject, really the star of the documentary. If you want to see Brave, well, you're seeing her right now uh, by way of Tina Cordova, seventh generation native New Mexican radiation-induced cancer survivor, having been diagnosed diagnosed with thyroid cancer when she was 39, and now the fourth generation in her family to have cancer. Her niece recently diagnosed at the age of 23. Uh, the, Tina Cordova has testified before multiple government agencies and is looking to get medical care for thousands of people purposely left out by the federal government. And you said something interesting uh, earlier, Tina. You talked about how, uh, well, there was nobody around. I guess it depends what nobody looks like, if you catch my drift. Absolutely. <laughs> it was very easy for them to look away. I always say they counted on us in 1945 to be, you know, uh, unable to stick up for ourselves. They counted on us to be uneducated, unsophisticated, unable to stick up for ourselves. But we're not those people any longer, Carrie. And you mentioned about the four generations in my family, and now there's a fifth. And the people of New Mexico, we don't ask if we're going to get cancer. We ask when it's going to be our turn, because this is the legacy of Trinity for us. Uh, we're sick and dying. And my 23-year-old niece has had her life completely disrupted. She has thyroid cancer, the same cancer I had. I watched my dad die from cancer without risk factors. Uh, I've seen so many relatives, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins. And this is not normal cancer histories, but it is a normal cancer history in New Mexico. And I wish I could say that my family has been unique, but we haven't. And so New Mexico is the only minority majority state since the very beginning. We've always been a minority majority state. So of course the people most affected here have been people of color. And uh, the government has just simply looked away from responsibility. And let me just say that it's uh, shockingly immoral because we live in a country of rules and uh, our government just wants to look the other way, not accept responsibility for the harm they've done to people. And you and I couldn't get away with doing that if we recklessly harmed other people. No, no. If I tinkled in my neighbor's pool, I promise you I will pay <laughs> a fine and be in the newspaper and on Channel 8. This is sort of using a Stalin uh, metaphor here. Stalin said when a child falls down a well, it's a tragedy. When 20,000 people die in, a, in one of his gulags, it's a statistic. And in many ways, I believe it was Senator Udall or somebody in your documentary pointed out that it was just a giant medical experiment. And now we know. And we see the same thing in around Chernobyl. I have a friend who got thyroid cancer at the age of 34, and he grew up in the Czech Republic. He did not grow up in Russia. Czech Republic, way out. But that uh, radiate, radioactive fallout went to Sweden. It went to Scotland. Uh, it fell in the blades of grass. In fact, we were told in the 80s not to eat Hershey's chocolate because Three Mile Island was in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And that fallout was falling into the grass. The cows eat the grass. The cows make the milk. The milk makes the chocolate. Um, but then that, those stories go away in about two and a half seconds. And Lois is an expert on how that works. Uh, but here's Lois. Like Walter Cronkite is back, but better. 
And and this is a soothing emollient to uh, a, a nitwit culture, not its fault, but we're handed the Kardashians at the top of the news and told that's important. This is what's important, because what affects one affects all when it comes to radiation. Go on, Tina. Well, I just am really grateful that you have said this affects everybody, because we do know, Carrie, from recent uh, reconstruction of the bomb, the Trinity bomb, by a scientist from Princeton University, we do know now that in those 10 days after Trinity, fallout went to 46 states, Mexico and Canada. Everybody's a downwinder as a result of Trinity. And the government always said that the radiation went off in this orderly fashion, that very few people were affected. And that is absolutely untrue. A lot of this story has been suppressed or not told truthfully. And, and orderly radiation. I mean, I love the sound of that, but I'm not sure exactly how that works. Uh, Fukushima would be a great example where we have the bluefin tuna breeding off the shoals of Fukushima. Uh, one of the habitats that they love, they're able to swim, get this, 800 miles a day. Who knew? So that bluefin tuna comes from Fukushima. Over here, we catch it, can it, sell it in the grocery stores and the EPA, I think within three or four months after Fukushima, simply stopped testing. Oops, just turn off the meters, nothing to see here. That's what you were told too. Well, if we don't test, we don't discover. If we don't discover, we're not culpable. And, I, and I, that's one of the themes throughout the documentary here. Um, I just wanted to interject and give a shout out to the Palm Springs Film Festival, thanking them for um, giving us three slots to screen our film. And the um, festival's director will do the first Q&A. So that's um, January 8th, 9th and 10th. Uh, I want to encourage everybody to come to Palm Springs. I can't wait to be there. It's supposed to be a really fabulous town and it's a great film festival and we have a great film but it's not going to make a difference unless people say it and people put pressure on their legislators to be just and give those extra votes that we need to get this legislation passed so thank you palm springs for being so generous to give us this platform and please have your listeners come to the festival january 8th 9th or 10th to see our film it is holiday time around the 8th so it's a perfect time to go to palm springs in fact any time is a good time to go to palm springs and if your documentary is there and you two are there and people get to meet you well, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Uh, we love meeting heroines. And, you know, one of the let's talk for just a second about what happens when you, um, Tina Cordova, confront the federal government, which is giving medical help to some people. But then there's the other people. It is not. And yet you're all sharing the same condition. How do they reconcile that so that it somehow makes sense? Well, first of all, first of all, Carrie, it's so counterintuitive that they would set aside a fund and it would be set aside for people who are victims of radiation exposure from atomic testing and not include the first people ever exposed to radiation from an atomic bomb. It's totally counterintuitive. It doesn't make any sense at all. And when we're when I ask the question about why we weren't included from the get go, they always say, well, we didn't realize 
And the truth is, when they established the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act, it didn't go far enough. It didn't cover enough people. Uh, and these days, they're not challenging the idea that we've been harmed. They're just simply saying it's going to cost too much. And it's like what you said just a few minutes ago. I always say, I couldn't go about living my life recklessly and harming other people. And then when I'm held to account, I say, I'm not putting any of my funds towards taking care of those people that I've harmed. That's essentially what we're talking about here. And it's shockingly immoral for our government to simply say it's going to cost too much. It should be a line item in the defense budget because this is a result of our government's quest for nuclear superiority. They didn't just test it at Nevada. They tested at Trinity first. And so we're trying and fighting for all the states in the western part of the United States, along with Guam, that were affected by nuclear testing to be included. They conducted 93 explosions at the Nevada test site. We know where the fallout went because we had monitoring stations. They were doing a lot more than to mitigate their responsibility by placing monitoring stations that showed that they irradiated us. So, you know, we we are fighting to be included in RICA, the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act. The people in New Mexico desperately need the assistance. Uh, there's two glaring, obvious uh, statistics. One is we're the state most dependent on Medicaid. And secondly, we're one of the states carrying the most medical debt. Two million people living here carry up close to a billion dollars in medical debt. We know it's associated with this. So it's time for our government to do the right thing and account for the damage they've done to people's health and lives. It's a huge uh, amount of bravery for you to do this. I know for you, it's natural. It's in your wiring, but not everyone can show up the way you do and fight, especially when you're not feeling well. Uh, having cancer, that's 10 full-time jobs right there. Uh, and then adding the 11th, which is fighting for people whom you will never meet, but on their behalf. And, and both of you, uh, Director Lois Lipman and Tina Cordova doing that nonstop. I mean, you're never Director Lois Lipkin, Lipman going to be able to step away from this. This is now part of who you are. This accomplishment, when this film is aired in Palm Springs, when you meet people, they meet you, and this film continues to travel around the world. It ends up on Netflix, on TV. Who knows? Maybe you still have chums at CBS. Let's see where it goes. Let's see who finds out. We know from Nagasaki, where I've been, uh, having walked around on that devastation there, we know the that a, a single fleck of plutonium, one pound of plutonium spread evenly across the entire planet would kill all life as we know it. People don't understand that this is a man-made thing and it lasts forever. Is there anything that we know about medically that we can take uh, uh, chelation therapy? I mean, I'm sure you've tried and done everything. Is there anything that can be done or do we just get the medical help as best we can? Well, the truth is you only have to inhale absorb or ingest one particle of plutonium and it remains there for your entire life irradiating cells organs tissue damaging you know your body there is nothing there is nothing carrie that that counteracts that and plutonium is just one of the radioactive uh isotopes that were released by by the bomb at trinity there's strontium, there's cesium. Strontium collects in your bones. Uh, it's what causes leukemia and bone cancers. Uh, there's iodine, radioactive iodine, which is 
what I was likely exposed to, not at Trinity because I wasn't alive at the time, but during the testing at Nevada because New Mexico is downwind of the Nevada test site, well documented at the monitoring stations. So you don't escape it. There's no way, you know, you can take iodine pills if you know you're going to be exposed and then your cells take up the iodine that you're actually ingesting purposefully and it protects you from the radioactive version. But if you don't know, then there's no anecdote for this. You're, you're basically exposed and it's for a lifetime and it changes your genetics. I'm really glad you brought up earlier, um, you know, men's gonads, because a lot of times people say there's no genetic effect to this, but that's absolutely not true. I mean, we didn't have a lead shield around our gonads and our ovaries in 1945. And so now we have the genetics for this and this isn't going to end for us. And what, you know, we've been relegated to this place of never being free from this. And that is truly a travesty because we've never had an option to live just a normal cancer-free, healthy life. And in the documentary, uh, I believe somebody talks about 7,000 generations still to go that are going to be dealing with this. And just to make it a little personal at, at right at the end here, uh, for regular people, if you've ever been to Las Vegas, well, rethink that experience now. Because guess what? And now everyone is suddenly going to have a brand new level of interest about this because it affects everyone all over the planet. The air gets circulated through the whole globe, the water, all of it. But if you've been to Vegas because you paid to go there, you paid to go there. And now, you know, some of the uh, invisible gifts that are left there that aren't talked about that their tourism bureau does not sell and put on the front page of a pamphlet, though we have seen those postcards of people in the pool drinking martinis with the mushroom clouds. You know, ha-ha, except uh, something needs to be done. So what can we do, we as listeners, to help you guys? Well, we have a website, and Lois can, can uh, give you her website, but the Trinity Downwinders have a website. It's www.trinitydownwinders.com, and people can go there and find everything they need uh, about how to help us. But primarily, it's lobby Congress. Let Congress know that you're concerned over this and that you would like to see justice for the people in the American West that were harmed. And okay. also, we're the little engine that could. We're just a scrappy little film that was not funded. And um, we need to make a big splash so that the public is informed about this and everybody who sees the film and is informed is enraged and they want to do something. So I welcome any financial help so that we can continue uh, screening, which costs money at these great film festivals so that we eventually get picked up for a, by a major streamer and everybody knows this story. All right. Well, what a great way to end. And uh, I, I see a webinar here, so I'll, reach out to you guys a little later, okay? Uh, there's a lot of other ways that I think we can help. We've been talking to director Lois Lipman of the documentary, First We Bomb New Mexico, an Emmy Award-winning filmmaker whose field produced 24 stories around the world for 60 minutes. Uh, she's received Emmys and Peabody's, uh, documentaries, BBC to India, countries in between, also joined by a superstar hero, Tina Cordova, seventh generation native New Mexican radiation-induced cancer 
survivor, having been diagnosed when she was 39 and now a fourth generation in her family to have cancer, but fighting for others. Her own niece diagnosed at the age of 23. Tina has been before multiple government agencies and continues that good fight. We will make sure that we publish those websites on Rethinking Heroes so that you can learn more and support this in impossibly important cause. Carrie Harrison with you. This is Rethinking Heroes. Don't forget to go to RethinkingHeroes.com and get our free newsletter so you can get this and other stuff. And I look forward to seeing everybody next week. Preventing truth decay. Rethinking Heroes with Carrie Harrison. RethinkingHeroes.com. Looking to earn more money online? Well, meet Kartra, that's K-A-R-T-R-A, the ultimate all-in-one business platform that makes it easier than ever to boost your income. With Kartra, creators, coaches, and experts can turn their knowledge and services into profits. You can create pages and funnels that attract customers, build memberships that share your knowledge, automate your business to free up your time, and so much more. Kartra has every tool you need to grow your business in one place. And the best part? It's super affordable and easy to use. Are you ready to streamline and scale? Well, head on over to RethinkingHeroes.com slash money for a free 30-day trial. That's RethinkingHeroes.com slash money for a free 30-day trial.